Good morning, indeed. There is a war going on for our souls constantly. So, Father God, we thank you again for your peace. We thank you for your intervention. We thank you, Lord God, for giving us a heart and a desire to follow you in the midst of this matrix, this mess down here that presents itself in so many um, different and distorted ways. Lord, I pray that you would give us the discerning of the Holy Spirit to know how to stand, what to do, having done all to stand, that you'd raise up your mighty army, your warriors of uh, brave-hearted souls who have chosen to follow you and not turn back. We thank you, Lord, for the promise that you are the captain of the hosts, Lord God, that you will not leave us or forsake us. You have not left us orphans, that you have not abandoned us, and that you've given us the promise that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So we thank you again for that promise this day that your sword would separate from each one the plague of the enemy. Let no plague will come nigh our dwelling, no sword, no word, no deed done, no action taken by the evil one will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. And Lord, I pray this prayer would be applied to each one who listens, even those who listen to the archives, that there would be a, a great encouragement and increase in our strength and stamina and endurance in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to Rescue Radio. I'm Margie, and uh, Jerry is um, in the airplane on his way over to Africa right now, so he won't be joining us today. Uh, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, by the grace of God, we'll do fine. Okay, well, today we're talking about the treachery of the matrix, uh, not understanding the magnitude or the mysteries of the kingdom of God can make life down here seem pretty surreal. Well, the, ma the matrix is that mixed up mess. I haven't actually looked up the definition of matrix, but I think it's a pretty common understanding that y you can be caught within worlds within worlds. And, um, not knowing which world is the real world and how to stand and having done all to stand it can be not only distracting, but in the end, very, very deadly and destructive. It's this matrix is kind of like very poor, you know, simile, kind of like riding in a car and inside the car, you know, it's like riding in a fast moving car. As you're in the car, you have an intimate life going on. You have people, personal situations, uh, it's a small world, but it's you have to pay attention. Um, there's intimacy, there's intensity, there's demand and constant for constant attention, whether you're the driver or the passenger. But there's another world that you're flying through that seems to be going uh, a lot faster, and that is the outside world. And so you're looking out the window of the car, and you see that that world is, uh, you know, kind of sweeping by, and it's full of public information, impersonal information. Rules, laws, you know, situations. And the only time, you know, we really, those two worlds interact is when you have a crash or collide or stop your car and get out and walk in it. So the thing is, we are in a matrix where we have an intimate life with Jesus Christ. We have that life includes members of our family, situations, life, business, your attention to yourself, your body, soul, spirit. And then, and then you're, but you're living that life within another living organism, which is basically. Uh, filled with all kinds of other situations, people, uh, governments, nations. Uh, and, and within that context of, of the earth, we have another, the earth is moving within the context of another system of mysteries, the mysteries of iniquity, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Uh, and so to get our bearings in this crazy kaleidoscope of activity, it, it takes uh, the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what we don't really no, we don't know that we have been internally programmed by the enemy through our through our experiences in the in the in the slate in the snake pit to believe certain lies. It's up to me. I've got to do it. No one loves me. I'm not worth it. There is no God. God's not real. The Bible is old and archaic and doesn't mean anything. All kinds of uh, temptations and influences to cast off the very strategic underpinnings of and foundational principles of truth because they are obsolete in this uh, modern me world. But at the same time that we're being tempted to do that, that all works together for a greater purpose that God is using us within the context of the earth and what's going on here 
to perfect and perform and, and, and uh, uh, complete that which pertains to us. We also understand that within our world, and even in our global world, there is the interaction of another world, an unseen world, a spiritual world, the, the demons, the, the fallen angels, the demons on earth and the fallen angels from the second heaven that come to intercept and interact and tempt and torment and try to cast down the creation of God, those of us made in the image of God, to corrupt the image, to surplant uh, and to uh, create other obstacles um, to our, our truth and development. So in, it, before we go further, let's look at the definition of the word mystery because there are mysteries, there, and, and if you don't understand them, the matrix becomes immediately treacherous and immediately deadly. So the definition of mystery is very interesting. Um, it's, it's, um, it's a puzzling event, uh, th- something that, you know, is not, or situation, um, is something or somebody that's unknown, uh, something strange. It has strange qualities of being strange, um, secret, Etc. Um, it's it, it's um, puzzling. We don't understand something uh, known by only divine revelation, and I think that's the the piece that we most center on as believers is the divine revelation of the mysteries that are made known in and through the Word of God, and and kind of deciphering those mysteries, decoding those mysteries. And I believe that is the work of the Holy Spirit, who's been sent to live inside of us, is to decode uh, and rightly divide and uh, the and and uh, give us understanding about the mysteries of God, life, what I'm supposed to do, who I am, where I'm going, what's really going on, what's really important out there, not being all swallowed up in the incidents of the moment. Um, these are the, the things that really, really, and I think the word mystery is often used uh, in a religious context. It's the secrets, secret knowledge, religious rites, uh, mystery religions, um, occult, all of these kinds of things, all secret this, secret that. And people think if they know the secret, then they're going to be more uh, able to live in the in, and conquer the 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 tangible world. However, the surreal, mysterious world isn't always tangible. And the word surreal itself means more like dreamlike. I have something that, uh, associated with surrealism, trying to get into a subconscious state. You know, it's like you're living in a dream or awake in a dream. Like I remember when nine one one, the towers were blown up. That um, that word was used by the media a lot. This is so surreal. It's like we can't really believe this happened. I think some people are kind of still in a surreal spot with the elections, can't really believe what happened, and are some terribly angry about it and some terribly delighted about it. So, But that is the context, the fabric with which we are finding ourselves today where everything seems to be moving very fast, changing very quickly. Um, you know, governments change, laws change, they're being deleted and repealed and reexamined, and, and, and focuses are changing. So where, what are we to do uh, in this matrix? Um, we need to be very strategic. I believe there is a, a high call, a very definite, specific goal that God has in mind for us here. It's, it's laid out in the Word of God. Jesus laid it out very nicely in the Gospels. Um, let's look at the Gospel of John for a minute. Just um, This kind of really highlights a lot of things, but in chapter 14, he, Jesus is about to go to the cross, and he's trying to prepare his disciples for this very surreal moment, the mystery, the mystery that has been hidden from the, the world foundations, um, but known from the foundation of the world that he would have to give his life, die on the cross, and it would make no sense, no sense to the common mind and even to his own disciples who followed him around for three years, this was nonsense. This was ridiculous. And he had kind of just kind of laid it out before him. And then he says in chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And this was the big crisis moment. Oh, yeah, it's easy to believe in God. And we have the, you know, we have the commandments and we have the sacrifices and we have the temple and we have the rituals and we have the Pharisees who keep us in line. And we've known that for thousands of years. But now this dude comes on the scene who calls himself the son of God, the son of man, um, Jesus, the Christ. Um, and it's like, this is just really hard to swallow. This is like, this is like not just, uh, this is heresy. To go and follow Jesus after you've been taught all the, the, the trappings of the matrix in a certain way, and now the whole thing is just being ripped and where do you stand? Do you make a choice for God? Do you take? Do you believe in Jesus? Because believing in Jesus 
means you basically kind of had to abandon everything else that was so stable in your life. Going to the synagogue, saying your prayers, bringing the sacrifice lamb, having the, the feasts of the, of the Lord. And now it seems like they're not really contradictory. However, they do seem to appear to be in opposition because what Jesus was saying, he was setting up a new kingdom, a new part of the matrix. He was revealing a new section of the matrix, which is called the kingdom of God. The, the, and and that, that kingdom was going to dwell not externally, but internally within them. And so they were very confused. So he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, this sounds weird because he's standing on a place. Now he's talking about a different place that's in heaven. And we don't know heaven that heaven had material uh, foundations that you could actually build mansions out of. I mean, just he's saying, yeah, we, we've got things up there. You know, this is, this is a different part of you've never been there, but I've got a mansion plan for you and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I mean, it's, it's like, there's a pro there's a future here. It's not just like, okay, you followed me th three years and now I'm leaving. Uh, and too bad for you. I mean, just hang in there, hang on what you got to do, do what you got to do. He's actually saying, I am going away for a purpose, and it's to prepare a place for you. Um, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. Now, this is very incredible. And if I go, I will prepare a place. And if I go and prepare, I will come again. Okay, I will come again. When is that going to happen? Soon or very soon or immediately or within our lifetime or they've been talking about it for so long, I don't even think about it anymore. People don't live, you know, they're pretty much immediate. Everything's got to be done in the, in the next two days, two weeks. I mean, we can take maybe a two, thinking of things two weeks out. We're going to go on vacation in two weeks or whatever. Christmas is in two weeks. But we, we have a real hard time gapping anything longer than probably, you know, six months. So if he's saying, I'm coming and receive you to myself, I'm coming again. And that turned into a long wait. And it, as, as a matter of fact, a lot of the servants have fallen asleep and given up and gone their own way and tried to do it themselves. And they're just not really, really believing that the master of the house is coming back. And I think that's where it says in, in Hosea, um, when the people lose their vision, when the revelation of God is out of is taken away, the people perish. They, they perish for lack of vision, for lack of understanding, for lack of knowledge. And that's where we see people floundering and they're getting caught up in, this, in the, the, the agitation if you will, of the matrix and not standing and having un understood that this is all pa part of that plan and that process of going forward. So he says, where I am, there you will be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas spoke up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we get know the way? In other words, he was missing the point. And Jesus then made that profound statement that we all know is very spiritual, but actually is also very incredibly practical. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have known him. And so they go on to discuss, well, we, do, we don't know that. How long? Where are you going? Um, what's happening? Um, then Jesus clarifies, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Because you're already looking at him, so to speak. Um, he says, then he, he, you know, so he says in verse 12 of uh, 14, he says, I surely I say to you, that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. This is also part of the matrix. You know, it's not just for you to coast along and ride through it, and and you know, on a, a you know, a fantasy ride or something. This is where we roll up our sleeves, get get in, and begin to call on heaven to make heaven real, not just a surreal, but real in the everyday, ordinary lives of the people ourselves included that we meet. Um, and then he goes on to make this huge promise that whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, listen to this, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Actually, this other helper, new helper, is the critical piece in the mystery of the matrix, the critical piece. We don't think about that much. We don't think, oh, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard about it. He's the third person of the Trinity. I'm not sure if he's male or female. I'm not sure what he's doing or where. He, I think he's a dove, isn't he? And we just really don't get this sense of him being very, uh, a very intimate or vital part of our everyday life. Although the Bible does say very clearly in Galatians, to walk in the Spirit 
and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you're walking in the soul, which is your flesh, your feelings, your thoughts, your emotions, your will, you're walking in that thing that's been calculated, calibrated, set up, conditioned by the snake pit, the things that we've learned that are lies, uh, and then the lies have been passed on to us, you know, by our teachers, etc. We will begin to make our decisions based on lies and fear and feelings and um, doubt and unbelief and confusion. And those, obviously, those decisions are going to be all, you know, interspersed with trouble, difficulties, confusion, uh, bad fruit. But if you walk in the Spirit, it says, then His Spirit will bear witness with our spirit. So we have a spirit when we get saved. That little spirit of yours, like a candle, got lit. You got quickened. You were dead and you got quickened. Now you're interested in the heavenly world. You're interested in those mansions. You're interested in what goes on beyond the everyday news uh, for broadcast. You want to know the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. You're interested in knowing something spiritual. I mean, you're being drawn by it. Some people don't even realize that they are always being drawn by the Holy Spirit. Some are more aware of it because they're actually communicating with him. But when we understand that he has been sent for the specific pur- purpose of helping us. He's called the helper and he will abide with you forever. Then you are never alone. From that point, you are never on your own anymore. And he's also called the spirit of truth. And it says very interesting in verse 17 of 14, John 14, 17, even the spirit of truth, capital S, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So Jesus is saying there, this is an exclusive uh, uh, imparting to the believers. This is exclu- this is an, a helper, an internal helper, Holy Spirit, who's there to lead us into all truth, um, to cause us to know that we're not alone, that this isn't our deal up to us by ourselves, that we don't have to be good, that we have the Holy Spirit here to help us, to lead us into all truth and things that are pleasing to God, that we can do according to his will. Um, uh, and that God said, Jesus, says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So he's coming back, as he indicated in the top of the chapter. And in the meantime, like some people say, in the meantime, it's a meantime. But it's time that we understand who we are and that we begin to live and abide and make um, real connections with the Spirit of God uh, and walk in the truth and know that we're not orphans. He says, a little while longer and the world will see me, but you will not see me because I live, you will live also. Um, and he says, in a, he tells us very clearly to keep his commandments, to love one another. Um, this is the new command. He says, peace I give you. This is a whole new dynamic. This isn't familiar territory to those in the matrix. In the matrix, there's anxiety, there's fear, there's oppression, there's injustices, there's offenses, um, there's... Uh, treachery, there's pain, there's um, offenses. I think I said that word, but probably say that word twice because it's all it is down. Your life is not fair, not fair, and not fair. And so when we're caught up in that matrix of life's not fair, uh, that's not right. Um, And even in, in the place where you may be a righteous person doing that, which is right, the devil will come along at some point and, and uh, ask to sift you as wheat he will come to clobber you. I think the saints are being clobbered these days, and we are all shocked and, and, and you know, about it. But, you know, really, that's what the Lord said. It's going to happen in those days um, that there's going to be a sifting. There's going to be a—and wearing out the saints. That's another part that we don't like to hear, but it's there. And the only way we can get through that is through, obviously, the Holy Spirit who says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. It will never be more than you can bear. Um for he does not tempt us above that he's able to keep us, but with every temptation he makes a way of escape that we're able to bear it. That's First or Second Corinthians ten thirteen. Um, you go look it up. In John, John three sixteen, and we also know another part of this matrix which is very critical and vital. And I think we need to understand that the matrix um, is the place where many things are determined, whether you participate or not, you are participating. Whether you refuse to participate or you declare, um, I'm, you know, I don't believe God is real. I don't believe all this stuff is real. Um, we, we, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how you, how do you say it, what you want to believe or what you t- declare to be true. The truth will stand in having done all it will stand in. In John chapter three sixteen, which we all pretty much know, it says, and we all can quote this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So you notice there's, a, there's positions. God sent his son. He came from a place uh, to do something. Um, he came to redeem us. And, and our, our task, our response is to believe in him. However, how can we believe if we haven't heard? And how can we hear if we don't go uh, to preach that gospel of redemption, resurrection, uh, eternal life? And so, so you see there's a dynamic here. There's different, there's different worlds. There's different places. Uh, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Now he says he came from a place. Um, he's not willing that any should perish. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says he descended into the lower parts of the earth, uh, and there he took captivity captive. So there's there's different dimensions is probably a good word here um, that we need to be aware of are all real. Just because you can't see them or stand on them or taste them or feel them does not mean that, that they don't exist. Our eyes were not built to see necessarily into the spirit, spiritual dimensions at this point. Uh, we're kind of confined you know, um, handicapped in a way, but probably in a good blessing that we don't see all of those things or we'd probably freak out. Um, but to really get it in your heart, people, that your life, if you're frittering away your life, trying to get ahead of the Joneses or get even with the the, the Johnsons or, uh, you know, prove yourself to your parents or get your dad's approval or, uh, you know, strike it rich or be right, retired before you're 30 or make a million dollars by the time you're 40 or whatever, you know, you're wasting your good God-given grace and talents. If you have been so blessed already to have discovered the salvation, love, grace message of Jesus Christ, if you've been so blessed to hear and feel and experience that, even in a tiny measure, then the next thing you need to do is to go forward and tell that to others and to, to, you know, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I said, well, heaven, heaven, what about, what about my bank account? No, what about heaven? That bank account is temporary. It's just a temporary means to an end, but heaven is eternal, and where you will spend eternity, you know, you are the, are the only one, the only one who gets to keep your soul forever and ever. That soul and what you do with it and how you make decisions through it and what you choose to follow and what you choose to believe— that soul will accompany you will go with your soul wherever to heaven or to hell forever and ever and ever. I mean, that is like beyond the word panic. That is like beyond, you know, anybody who has panic attacks and anxiety. This is beyond that. There is no description for, you know, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Please, people, if you have the gift of salvation, treasure it. Take care of it. Consider it your most precious possession. If you have treasures in heaven, if you have people already passed over to the other side that love you, that is a treasure in heaven. Don't despise that. Don't become bitter against God because your life didn't go the way you wanted it to go. If it's going the way God wants it to go, you should be more than happy, you know, and just fit into his plan because he is good. So, you know, really, if you go back to Ephesians, um, we, we see this spiritual War. We see what Jesus was talking about in John. We see it already again talked about in Ephesians. Um, again, the from the foundation of the world, we were known and um, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Even though we're now sitting in the dentist's office, the chiropractor's office, the doctor's office, the rush hour traffic, we're still at that same simultaneous moment seated with Christ in heavenly places. And this is part of that mystery. This is how can that be? Well, it can only be as we uh, acknowledge it and, and walk it out in the spirit and then make our biological, physiological soul decisions accordingly based on the word of God, knowing that there, that there's, that God does not lie. You know, his word, his word has been lied about. His word has been counterfeited. His word has been um, <clears throat> plagiarized. His word has been uh, extrapolated to mean different things, but God does not lie. And so we're going to take a break right now, and then we're going to get back and get into Ephesians. So I want you to just think about that for a minute, and we'll be right back.
Well, there's a little taste of the Matrix right there and how it all got started. If you're interested in God on Trial, um, we have it on our website, liferecovery.com. And you can purchase the hard copies at this point, and soon maybe we'll get the downloads to you. But really, it's a very uh, educational, inspirational, uh, evangelistic tool, helpful for young people, kids. It's really written uh, to stir up a discussion, a dialogue, and to understand. It's all very biblically based. And so we really encourage you. This is a a piece that we've been working on for a while, Uh, God on Trial. And we have uh, 16 episodes done. They're 30 minutes long each and uh, we welcome you to uh, take a look. But going back to Ephesians, because this is all very real. This is absolutely where we get stung by the enemy sometimes and thinking, oh, it's no big deal. You know, we're so caught up in the urgent that we forget the important. And I and, I, and really, you're going to have to start living your life with the important and, and figure out what's worth your time and what's not. And your time, you cannot live in the matrix, by the way, of the mysteries of God unless you read the word. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 for a minute and look what Paul is saying there. Paul was an interesting guy. He had lived in the matrix of hatred and contempt and religion most all of his life. Well-trained, well-bred. He had everything pretty much he wanted and needed, and he was had the authority. He had the... the um, attention uh, of the of the those in authority. He had his papers. He could go persecute Christians. He could stand up for what he believed was truly righteousness. He was a, a very passionate man, uh, but for the wrong things. And he was persecuting Christians, and he was one of the most feared of all of those who persecuted because he was relentless. And he would chase them around and chase them down, track them down, find them in their homes and and persecute them. And, and was there the day that Stephen, actually the first martyr, was stoned, the beginning of the bloodshed? of the Christians. And Stephen had been a deacon in the church. He'd been a very faithful servant of the Most High. And um, that was the very first martyr. And Paul was right there to witness it. As a matter of fact, he was totally endorsing it because he was holding the the, the garments of those who pick, took their clo- coats off to throw the stones. Interesting enough. And so as he was pursuing them, God pursued him and God caught him and said, why are you persecuting me? Why do you uh, make your life's goal to kill my people? He said, it's hard for you to resist, but God had a better, a bigger, better plan for Paul. And so he presented it to Paul and he says, here, here's what I want for you to do. Are you willing to do it? And so at that point, Paul turned around. He got oriented finally in this matrix of crazy insanity, religion, counterfeit religions, church, uh, church programs, no church programs, the occult, Eastern mysticism, new age, yoga, whatever you want to call it. He got oriented to the one true clear stable foundation, which is God. And you already know this. A lot of you already have God and you're kind of like just setting him on the windowsill and seeing, well, let's, let's wait and see. Well, uh, you know, let's, that's, that's kind of the attitude you have. Wait and see. Let's see what happens here. Well, it's time to, you know, get going, uh, put your backpack of life on and get going on the track, the plat, the path of God is you for. So Paul turned around and here he says in verse chapter, Ephesians chapter three, he says, for I, verse one, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, he says, I, hear, I know my new spot. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. I'm a prisoner. I got nothing else I can do because this is all I get to do. I want to do it. If, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. In other words, did you hear? I got saved. I got changed. How that by the revelation, by revelation, he made known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in a few words, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. I just kind of uh, briefly alluded to it before, but I want to get down and kind of pa- unpack this thing for you. What is this mystery, understanding the knowledge of the mystery of Christ? He says, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of man. You know, in those dark ages, there were many periods of dark ages uh, before Paul ever got this revelation. This revelation was the most current, absolute, up-to-date uh, download from heaven that anybody had received up to this point. Elijah didn't have this revelation. Jeremiah didn't have this revelation. Um, you know, uh, Isaiah, those guys, Adam, Moses, none of them knew what he was talking about here. They, every, As we go on, truth is progressively revealed. It doesn't mean the truth has changed. It's just more revealed in depth, more understood uh, the dynamics behind it. So he's saying they didn't have this. Uh, they had what they had. And God only expected them to use what they had. So they're not cursed and going to hell. As a matter of fact, Jesus led a whole bunch of them out of Sheol or wherever they were. Um, 
when he died on the cross, he went down there, took them out of that place, led captivity, captive, gave gifts to men, and they were brought up with him. Where did he go? To heaven. So they had, you know, their dispensation, the way that they were given the, what they were supposed to do. And now we have been given the final revelation of Jesus Christ as our Savior. So he says, um, those, those people in those ages, the son, they didn't know, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. Back in the day, the Gentiles were dogs. They were, as a matter of fact, even with Jesus, when the Gentile woman came to him, uh, whose little daughter was at home demon-possessed, and how many of us don't have demon-possessed kids right now that we're trying to medicate? Um, she came to Jesus and she said, uh, you know, Lord, you can heal my daughter. And he says, no, I really can't, I, I, you know, because you're a Gentile. And she was a wise woman of Tyre. So Syrah, Phoenicians, and Tyre, they were very wise people. That was one of their gifts. And she says, well, Lord, you know, because Gentiles were considered dogs, and you know the story. And she said, well, even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table because Jesus says, I really am not able to give the children's bread right now to the dogs. So she could have been insulted and offended and said, yeah, right. I thought you were such a great God, so full of love that you would just do this for me. She didn't stomp off and get mad and get offended. She was wise. And God just loved that. He was not really he wasn't really wanting to push her away. He really wanted to give her wisdom to press in. So don't get offended when you pray to God and you get nothing or you don't get what you want or he says something that you take as a personal offense. She says, well, the little dogs are even willing. Love, I, I'm a dog, a little dog under the table. I'll eat the crumbs. Just a crumb will do to get my daughter set free. And Jesus said, great is your faith. Go, your daughter's healed. No, end of discussion. These are the miracles. This is where I really believe, see, people, that as a corporate bunch of the body of Christ, the body of Christ, there's two or three things that are going to happen now. From here on out, the mysteries are going to become more apparent, and the body of Christ is going to come together, the true body of Christ. We've had a lot of mess before that looked like the body, a, a leg over here, an arm over there, part of a lung laying down the street, nothing coming together. But the body of Christ, the two ones who love Jesus Christ and are known by their love, um, keeping that commandment of love uh, will be willing to lay down their life if needful, that they're going to be coming together to teach, encourage, instruct, uh, support, sustain the truth of the, wor- uh, of the word, the will, the life of Christ, because Christ is the head. So the body will begin to be form, perform what Jesus wants us to do. So that's going to be one thing to watch for, the body coming together, laying down their differences, laying down their denominational lines and garbage, it's all contrived. It's all set up by the devil. Denominations are, you know, sounds like demonations to me. Anyway, um, all for division and schism. And that's all the devil can do is divide and conquer. Divide, divide, divide. What's he doing in a nation? Divide, divide, divide. Who's playing into that? Uh, you know who's playing into that. The ones who don't believe. They don't believe that there's a better, a higher, another world. And they're caught in a garbage matrix that we can stand and having done all to stand with Christ. But anyway, so Paul is saying here, we got a new part of this now. We just got this from heaven that the Gentiles are in. We can go after the Gentiles now. They're part. We Jesus wants them. They're of the same body, fellow heirs, verse 6, to his promises um, through the gospel. So the gospel was now being opened up to the Gentiles, which it still is, by the way. And there is a day, a door closing to the Gentiles. Don't know when, pretty soon. At that point, the dispensation of the Gentiles will be done. Now, we don't know if it's going to end in a nuclear war or a rapture or the return of Jesus Christ, but at some point, that door will s- s- close, and then God will turn his attention back to the, the wayward children of Israel. And that would be the nation of Israel and all of the people who are scattered throughout the world, which there are a lot of, that also are part of that nation and maybe don't know it. Um, he says, to me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing, people. In the gas station, in the grocery store, uh, in the marketplace, in your home, with your children, teach them about Jesus. Don't, you, you're so worried about your children having every advantage out there and all the right clothes to wear and connecting with all the right friends and being part of all the right sports and, and eating maybe all the food they want or the good food or, you know, 
getting all the favored amenities of being a child with no denial of anything. You know, they get everything. And you know what? That's not really healthy for them. I think it's actually spoiling people and training them to be entitled and narcissistic. But don't deny them the one thing that you have that you can give them, and that is the revelation of Jesus Christ and eternal life. Do not let them be spiritually underdressed. Do not let them be lost. And, you know... There's nothing you can take to heaven, by the way, with all your work, all your savings, all your bank accounts, all your fear, all the things you don't have, all the things you wish you had, all the things everybody else has got. There's only one thing that you can take to heaven with you, and that's other people, you know. So look around. Know that everybody that's driving alongside you on the road, walking on the road, standing in the way, in line in front of you, is got a soul. And, you know, if you really loved, as God says, a love, you begin to start to tell them about Jesus. And, you know, he's been a curse word. He's been a, uh, you know, Jesus Christ is the only word we almost, it's almost like the most critical word in the universe. You can say any other word. You can pray to any other God. You can, but boy, if you bring up Jesus Christ or Jesus, the son of God or Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus who died on the cross, you are like an alien. Absolutely correct. You are not of this matrix. You're of another matrix, the one called heaven. And we're, we're, you know, ambassadors from heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So anyway, going on, he says, to, here's the deal. The grace was given that he should preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, this idea of unsearchable riches of Christ is also part of the concept of the matrix. Unsearchable riches. Riches. Are you rich? You say, oh, I don't have, I've got, you know, I hardly got enough money in my bank account for my next house payment. Well, that's got nothing to do with riches. You know, you can be rich in the revelation of Jesus Christ, rich in love, rich in, rich in power, rich in your status in heaven. This is all very temporary. And you know, time goes pretty fast down here. And soon we will have to give an account of ourselves. And where will you stand? He goes on to say, um, let's see, to make, here verse 9, here's our deal. Here's my job, to make all people see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Here we go again. What is the mystery, that secret knowledge, that revelation, that divine revelation of Jesus Christ? Really, the devil is holding secrets, too. His secrets are very, uh, you know, like when you first hear what the devil is doing, it's like your jaw drops and you say, that can't possibly be. He can't possibly be doing it. He can't be that evil. No, that's not possible. But you know what? This jaw-dropping evil, the mysteries of iniquity, the Antichrist, who is probably already here, um, as probably in his adult body and ready to take over uh, at any point in time. And things can switch and slip and twist so quickly. We don't really know if we've got four years, eight years, or no years. We really don't know. You need to live your life like we're right now at the brink of the transition and live your life in light of eternity. Please, please be thankful and grateful for your salvation. You say, oh, my body hurts. Well, yeah, God dwells in your body. Give your body to the Lord and keep going. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So he's saying here, the mysteries of, we won't get into the mysteries of iniquity right now because it's, you know, it's there and we can look at it. And if you really want to know more about it, there's plenty of authors and researchers out there who've done a lot of work in that area. Michael, Dr. Michael Lake, um, L-A-K-E, Dr. Uh, Michael Heiser, um, Heisner, I think it is, or Heiser. Uh, Tom Horn, Steve Quayle, Tim Alberino. Um, just Google some of these things, Sky Watch TV, uh, Tom Horn. You'll begin to dive into the rabbit hole of Satan's mysteries. It's, it's there. Okay. To make the people see what is the fellowship of the mystery from which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Now, there's, an, there's the part of the mysteries of heaven that all things that have been created were created by Jesus Christ, and in him all things consist. He was known in the beginning as the Word, and God spoke the Word, and a Word spoke and creates vibrations. And the vibrations, everything has vibrations, and those vibrations have been set in motion and create everything that we see around us. Everything you see is in motion. The atoms, the neutrons, the protons spinning around motion, vibration. And even colors, everything has a vibration. And when he spoke, let there be light, let the firmament separate, let there be land, let there be this, let there be that. He was speaking through the word. The word was Jesus Christ. And so I don't understand it, how it all works. All I know is that in Jesus Christ, everything exists and in him, everything consists. And that he, what, he created us. We're not accidents. We are not fatherless. 
you know, this evolutionary theory, which they also cannot sustain anymore because of the great advances of science and observation and abilities and tools and microscopes and telephone glasses, magnifying glasses, they they cannot anymore dispute the intricate, 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 uh, weavings in the matrix of our mother's womb. There's another matrix that we were put together fashion form. There's life. Nobody can do that. Oh yeah, we can counterfeit it. We can make clones. We can mess with DNA. We can, you know, uh, what do they call that? Um, gene something. I don't know where they're messing with our genes and stripping them out. And, uh, forget the word, the, the crusher, the cruncher, the crisper. Thank you. The crisper. Yes. Um, they, we can, you know, cut and cut and splice our gene, our genes and our DNA. Ooh, ouch. I don't think we should do that. Actually, that sounds very unnecessary and very deadly. Anyway, back to the mysteries from the beginning. God created all things. And here's why. To the intent, verse 10, that now, not later, not maybe, not wait and see, not, well, we're in the wrong dispensation. No, 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 no. We're still in the dispensation where the word now in chapter three of Ephesians verse 10 is still the now. We're not, that's not an eon past or an age to come. Now, the manifold wisdom of God, wisdom of God might be made known by the church. Who's the church? The church, the bride of Christ, the true bride of Christ, the church, that now she has a job to do. The mysteries, to make known the mysteries, the manifold wisdom of God, the teachings, the salvation, uh, the truth, standing our ground. It, actually, Ephesians chapter 6 is stand and having done all the stand. This is not a time for the church to back down, wimp out, apologize. You know, we don't need to be rude. We don't need to be, you know, we're being bashed for being unloving and judging and being, you know, judging people. We're not judging people. We're declaring the kingdom of God. Jesus came. He says, I didn't come to condemn you. He says, are you going to condemn us? He says, you're already condemned. Why does he need to condemn us? Why do we need to condemn them? They're already a mess. They don't need condemnation. They, they, need, they need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They need repentance. They need the love of God. They need the revelation of the mystery of God's love and grace. People don't need, and, and you say, well, you know, I, I, you know, I got to love them. You know what? You, you have to love them. Absolutely. You've got to love people. I don't care if they're what color they are. I don't care what sexual orientation screwed up mess they might be. I don't care if they're axe murderers. We love them, but we do not have to love and condone their behavior. Come on, people. These are two separate things. There's not a line that says, well, I can love you up to this, but if you do this and this, then I can't love you anymore. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. You love who they are. And the, the being and the behavior are two separate things. You can love them. Jesus loved them all the way. Uh, he loves the sinners. He's not willing that any should perish. But at some point, they have made a choice through their behavior, their decisions, their declarations to reject, reject, say no to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the goodness of God. And, and many of them have been so hoodwinked and the veil is put and put over their eyes. Their, their eyes are darkened. They cannot see. These are the ones you need to pray for. And you say, well, I, I don't know if God answers my prayer. You know what? If God does not answer our prayers, then God is basically to fault and God is a liar because he says he answers, asking you shall receive, seeking you will find, knocking will be open to you. You know, he says, whoever seeks and prays and asks, receives. If you pray anything according to my will and you know that I hear you, you know that you have what you've asked for. So the thing is, there, these are, these are doubt and, and discouragement and going by our feelings and that's walking in the soul, not the spirit. But anyway, going back to, he says, to make all the people See, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to who? You say, well, where's she reading again? Oh, you lost it. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. Underline it in your Bible. It's good to underline it in your Bible. Okay. To make known to who? To the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, the uh, variegated and many-sided rulers, the dimensions uh, above, the rulers, the principalities, the powers, the spiritual wickedness. In Ephesians, he goes on to name a few more in chapter 6. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but boy, I tell you what, the devil's got that all stirred up all over the place with pickets and signs and rioting. And what's that going to gain for us? How is that going to enhance or promote eternal life? All that's doing is falling into the prey into the devil's hands to be used as a tool to, to be divisive. You know, if you have a legitimate gripe or complaint or uh, suggestion, 
you know, there are righteous, righteous ways to do that. And the first way is to begin to take it before the Lord God in your prayer closet. First, F-I-R-S-T. Okay. So he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So these are hierarchies. The devil is arranged uh, in a hierarchy. He does. Definitely. There are there are positions. Some demons, uh, some devils are higher than others. They have positions, hierarchies. Some are powers, principalities. Um, uh, powers are like things that kind of take over. They influence a, a section or an area. Uh, like, for example, in some certain areas, there may be a power of, of addiction or, or in other places, a power of depression and, and poverty. And in another place, uh, there might be an influence of just it's a, it's, a, it's a spirit. You go there and you just feel it. You just feel like it's oppressive. I, I know a, a gal who lives in a certain place. Um, I think it's North or South Dakota. Can't tell you which I, I could, but I won't. And it's just simply oppressive there. I had one gal one time, she was living in a place uh, where everybody's, their hair was falling out. Not just her and her kids, but the whole people in that region. And it had to do with the curse in the land. And so there was a power over that place that was influencing even their natural physical functions because of curses. But that's a power uh, that's that's bringing that uh, to pass. You you know, some of you live in haunted houses. That's a part of an influence there. Principalities are the, the government, uh, Satan's government over these places uh, you know, you have the mayors, you have the legislators, you have the, the governors, you have the, you know, the regions, you have the kings, you have the presidents, prime ministers in this natural world, but you also have these things in the principalities and powers and the spiritual wickedness uh, in the heavenly places. I, I don't know if those are the council chambers of hell where they come up with all the concoctions of, the, you know, sending out the uh, spirits of harlotry, uh, spirits of Jezebel, the spirits of harlotry and Jezebel. Uh, are over this nation and they have the spirit of uncleanness goes with them the spirit of religion they travel together uh, and the spirit of witchcraft they all are kind of like band together in their uh, agenda to uh, I want to use the word bewitch I guess bewitch deceive uh, control through lust flattery through bribery uh, to entice lead people off people who are exhausted, people who want to escape. They're leading them off through these, um, through, uh, you know, enticements, baiting them, deceiving them. Uh, but these are things in the heavenly places. So we see that matrix is made up of not just earth and th- this three-dimensional, four-dimensional world we see with time and space, but it's also made up of multi. This is the matrix, people. This is where you need to understand that in the midst of this world within a world within a world within a world. You know, think about it. Just think about it in what you know. Okay. So you are driving the car. The car is speeding down the road and the road is spinning in space as the earth is orbiting the sun and rotating at, what is it? 2,500 miles an hour. I don't know. So you have a lot of motion and spinning and dynamics, even in the most peaceful, quiet place on some beach somewhere, you still are within motions, within motions, within matrices, within matrices. And this is where we live. And if you want to freak out about flying through space, how are you going to exit the planet? I mean, you know, there's just not a whole lot of options out here. But God has put us here. God is awesome, isn't he? That he can keep you alive and keep you from getting dizzy while you're going 255 or I don't know. I think it's 2,500 miles an hour at the equator. I could be wrong about that. You scientists can fix it out and email it to me. But we're also going through space. So we're going around that sun every 365 days or so. And so we're just having a whole lot of, this is a ride, you know? And in the midst of this ride, he wants us to be at peace and he wants us to deal with stuff. He says to proclaim Okay, so we're going to kind of like stand up against these things, not going to take them on, but we're going to just, according to the Spirit, according to the eternal purpose, which God accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. There is no way you can take on a match. You're a match for the principalities and the powers and the spiritual wickedness and the heavenly places, or even the demons that torment your own soul or your body. There is, you're no match, no match. That's why we have the Holy Spirit who is our uh, Holy Ghost guidance system, our GPS, that's been internalized right inside. You're a believer. The Holy Spirit's in you. you. Say, well, you know, I sin lately and I'm backsliding. Well, you know what? The Holy Spirit does not pack his bags and say, oh, I can't stay here because this place, this guy's backsliding right now. That's when he really has to stay there more than ever because he has a job to do. His job is to bring you into all truth and triumph. 
lead you into all truth and truth. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit's here to do. And so you're not alone. And you're not going to outrun God either. You've already tried that. That does not work. You might as well quit it. You might as well turn all that energy towards righteousness and truth and become an awesome warrior for the Most High God. Because he's, the Holy Spirit says here, um, in verse chapter John 16 and 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. However, when he, the Holy the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. Ah, you know, prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of discernment, understanding the prophetic vision. He will glorify me. He will glorify Jesus. He will lift Jesus up. He will take of mine and show it to you, declare it to you. And then he says, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take of mine and declare to you. So basically, we have access through the Holy Spirit to everything that Jesus has, which is everything the Father has, which is everything. Hallelujah. That's pretty big. That's pretty cool. So if you think you got nothing, you have technically, through the Holy Spirit who abides in you, you've got access to everything. He says, then in verse uh, 16, of 16, he says, a little while you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me because I go to the Father. Okay, and so then some of his disciples said to themselves, what is this, he says, a little while, and you'll see me, not see me, and again a little while, and you'll see me, because I go to the Father. What does this mean, as he says, a little while? We do not know what he's saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and, and he said, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said, a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Most assuredly I say to you, that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice, and you'll be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. Can you believe that? Can you wait? Can you wait on through? Can you believe? Can you abide? Can you know that this is temporary and that he is coming back? And this is a part of that matrix too, that the mystery that Jesus Christ is coming back. He came tangibly the first time as a baby in the manger, worshiped by the Magi, uh, by the shepherds, you know, hung on a cross, followed, uh, spit upon, railed, accused. The enemy tried to, in every way, test him, catch him. But he did that for you and me. And he left. He took captivity captive. He ascended into heaven. They saw him go up, and then they saw him no more. And then, and you know that people do that. They die, and they go up. They go down. Where do they go? They, they leave. They leave here. They're not going to be here now forever. We'll, we'll come back. They're, they're, they're coming. We're all going to, you know, be somewhere forever. And so he says, I'm coming back. Now, that's the part of the matrix you need to understand, that he is coming back. He may come back in our lifetime. He may not. But nonetheless, you will see him. You will see him. And it says every eye will see him. And the nations of the, of the earth will mourn. They'll wail. They'll gnash their teeth when they say, oh, no, we had this wrong. We got this wrong. We were tricked and the devil's going to laugh. But please don't be part of that. Don't let your people be part of that. So he says, I'm coming again. Yeah, you're going to have a little bit of a hard time. The devil is wearing out the saints right now. He's trying to pick on them. Um, so, but God says um, that his Holy Spirit has been sent to lead us not into just surviving, but really, truly thriving. We've been given gifts. We've been given grace. We've been given a, a call. He says, um, you know, Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and called you, appointed you, anointed you to bring forth much fruit. We have been called, invited. You know, a few people, a few very special people got invited to the inaugural ball or the inauguration. Many also joined them without invitation just because they could and they wanted to and they did. But some special people got in on the gift, on the on the on the the, the, the meals and the dances and the in, intimate speeches and the this and the that. They were called. They were invited. They had an invitation, probably with gold lettering on it. You know, we have been called. We God Jesus went through the list and he said, "I want him. I want her. I want them. I want them all. I want them all." He called us all. It's not that he, oh well he didn't call me. I don't feel called. You have been called. You are called. He says here uh, in John um, 15, 16, you have not chosen me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. 
you know, there are going to be no excuses on the day of judgment. No, I don't, you don't, I don't care if you say, well, you know, God, I would have served you, but I was married to the devil. I mean, my husband, my wife, I mean, da, 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 da. No excuses. None. God will say, well, what'd you do with the grace I gave you? What'd you do with the Holy Spirit that lived inside of you? And, and I don't even know if he's going to, I believe that actually, you know, there are two separate judgments. There's one for damnation, eternal life, and then there's another one that's based on rewards. And, you know, for those of you who are saved, you, you, some of you are going to get to heaven and be shocked that you got there because you accepted Jesus, but you really didn't know much about it. You know, it wasn't that you didn't want to. It's just that it just didn't work that way. God understands that. Some of you who think you're going to heaven right now, you're going to say, Lord, Lord, did we not do many mighty works in your name? And he's going to say, I don't know who you are for, you know, be, depart from me. Get out. How, then how did these people do all these mighty works and under whose power and authority were they doing them? If Jesus was not administering his power through this event, that's pretty scary. But for us little common people, go into the word of God, read the word of God, say, Lord, help me, have mercy on me, um, and realize that he has a full call and plan on your life. Um, and finally, in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, finally, brethren, after all these things, and by the way, the chapters 4 and 5 are really getting specific about loving and forgiving and, and let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. These are kind of the checkpoints where, you know, let's see how we're doing here on the on the actual behavior. Um, let's see, don't be angry. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down your anger. Give no place to the devil. Okay, don't let him get into your thoughts, your mind, your decisions. Um, stop stealing. Stop lying. Work with your hands. Don't be a freeloader. Um, you know, these are kind of little practice. Don't, don't be bitter. Let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor in evil speaking be put away. from. Don't think evil thoughts towards people because in that way you curse them and give Satan something to work on in their life to bring these negative things to pass. Don't speak evil of people. Don't speak evil of yourself. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ forgave you. There's simple gospel right there. Be kind to one another, love one another, and forgive one another because everybody's going to make a lot of mistakes. So, Father God, we thank you for this awesome revelation and calling the matrix that we can live in the matrix, Lord God, and be successful um, and understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God, that this thing is not surreal, but it's very real. It's very tangible. It's very um, ever-present right now. Father God, we thank you for giving us the strategy and the words, the prayers to lift each other up. And we ask you, Father, for those who are suffering today, who are seeking your face today, who are in uh, the afflictions today, that you would bail them out through the blood of Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for all these listeners. Now, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you click off, hold on one second. I want you to go to theliferecovery.com. Uh, check out our stuff. Go on to and, and sign up for... Follow me on Twitter. I don't even know how you do that. How do you do that? What's my Twitter handle? Life Recovery Inc. I-N-C. Life Recovery Inc. Follow me on Twitter. Then you'll get these radio blogs right there. And, you know, we're going to start sending out more information. Uh, and, and you you know, if, you got, if you're on my Facebook, that's great. LifeRecovery.com. Uh, you'll be getting the, e- the blogs, the emails, the uh, constant contact. We need to get connected. And please, one more thing, do me a huge favor and turn somebody else on to Rescue Radio. This is here for you to help encourage, disciple, make disciples, and um, give you something to do that's helpful and profitable for your life. Okay, we love you all. Keep praying for Jerry in Africa. Uh, God bless you all, and have an awesome day. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.